Thanks for tuning into our podcast. Today's message is from our new series, The Heart of a Giver. In this series, we'll be taking an in-depth look at three ways we can be generous givers through our time, talent, and treasure. So prepare your heart for a word from God. If I've not met you, your first time guest here, my name is Peyton. I'm the lead pastor at City Life Church. If you're watching online, we're so glad that you're connecting with us wherever you are. I was watching earlier, and we have some people that are uh, traveling from Baltimore that we're watching, so we'd love to know where you're watching from this morning, and uh, just so thankful that you guys were chosen to be here with us. Man, uh, I want to share something with you that's kind of, that might help you understand where my heart's at this morning. Uh, I always want to be transparent and uh, vulnerable with our people. Can we get that countdown clock going, please? Um, nine years ago, last Sunday, January 21st, 2009, I made the commitment to really become a, a follower of Christ, and let me clarify this is my story, I'm not saying it's yours, but when I was 13, I prayed this prayer and called on Jesus and was baptized, and that was basically it, just to be honest with you. I attended church for a while and got really connected to youth and did some things when I was in high school, but it wasn't until January 21st, 2009 that I really would say, hey, that was the day that I became a Christ follower. I committed my life to his truths and seeking and knowing him and making him known. Well, nine years ago this morning, um, even though I had committed my life to Christ, how many of you know that you can still be messed up and jacked up? Anybody know that? Okay. Good. I'm preaching to a home crowd this morning. Good. Well, I was still strung out on drugs and this mindset of sex, drugs, rock and roll. And when I say rock and roll, I don't mean like 103.5. I mean like a mindset, okay? I'm talking it was a way of, a way of life. And so nine years ago this morning, I also made the decision that I was going to get well and that I was going to allow Christ to do that in me. And so uh, this morning, I just woke up so uh, tender-hearted and just um, a little soft, I guess, for a man because I knew this time nine years ago what incredible mess I was. And now I know that basically I've gone from addicted to anointed. I've gone from a mess to a man that carries a message for his people. And I'd just like to give the Father some glory this morning that he still changes lives when he comes into our hearts. And that's the message. Yeah, you can clap. You were fixing to. People should clap. <laughs> that God moves. He moves. He changes us. And that's really the season that we're in as a church. We want to be a people that are changing, that are growing, and we believe that starts with the heart of a giver. And we started this series last week, and you can go back to, uh, we mentioned this in our video, you can watch that on our website or iTunes or Facebook or wherever you go to find your fix, you can find us there. But the idea behind the series is that we want to be a people that when we, when we give our hearts to something, when we give our hearts, then we believe that our time will follow, our talent, and our treasure. And we think that's what the heart of a giver is. City Lights. City Lights. And last week we talked about the heart of a giver means giving your time and not just physical time, but we talked about emotional and mental and, and dreaming and praying and believing uh, for your church and, and just partnering with us that way. And this week for week two, I want to talk to you about the heart of a giver is talent. It's talent. And we have many different talented people here. And I don't know why I didn't do this. I should have. No, I was going to, but I actually juggle. And so I was going to bring out some stuff, some like flamethrowing sticks and juggle. But then I was like, well, We'd hate to tap into our insurance policy, you know, this soon, so I don't do it. But we have a lot of people that are very talented at City Lights, and let me share this with you. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online, you're here because of the talents and the sacrifices of many. You're here because of the talents and sacrifices of many. And this is what I, I want you to see today, that everybody in this room has a talent that God has given you. 
Now, you may not be able to sing like JB in Brooklyn. You may not be able to play an instrument like that. But you have some kind of talent. You have some kind of talent that God's given you. And part of our desire at City Lights is to be a church that grows. If you're new here, you're watching the line, we just turned three uh, back in September. So we're, we're, we're a three-year-old church. We don't have everything figured out, but we have a big God and we have a big vision. And I'm going to share some of that again with you this morning. But there was a lady named Emma Bombeck, and this is what she says about talent. She says, when I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left and could say, I used everything you gave me. That's really my desire every week that I gather with you. I don't want to go home and be like, man, I could have done this. I could have preached just a little bit more. I could have preached just a, a little bit better. I, I could have been a little bit more prepared. I want to use everything that the Father has given me. And we live in a world where complacency is very comfortable. Amen? I like to just be the norm and go on. I like to be comfortable. But complacency kills our calling. It doesn't take away our talent, but it stifles it. And I like Emma. I want to be a person, or excuse me, Irma, I want to be a person that says, um, God, I've used everything that you've given me to the best of my ability. And now, I may not have been as good as the other person, but I gave my best today, God, and I gave it for you. And so part of, let me share this with you, part of our, our, our dream, our vision, desire as a church is we want to plant other churches. Now, let me clarify that. We are a church plant. Uh, three, four years ago, some people started gathering in my living room. We began praying, dreaming, believing about what would happen if we stepped out in obedience. We began having these different gatherings and cookouts. And a long story short, we, ha- we are here because of numerous volunteers, numerous givers, numerous people that have talents. And so what I'm saying is we haven't always been. We just started about a little over three years ago. We also helped plant another church. They're meeting this morning at Bonnie K. Elementary School. Shifts Church in South Knoxville. We want to just multiply because it's not about our kingdom here. It's not about our kingdom. It's about his kingdom come, his will be done. Now, that being said, we believe that healthy things grow and that we should grow and we are growing. And so what we want to do is be a church that multiplies, that reproduces, that makes disciples, that truly allows people to experience the gospel maybe in a way that's compelling to them to cause them to go out and, and reach their neighbors and to love on their brothers where they live, work, and play. But here's, here's the thing. The talents and the sacrifices of those who have got us here today will not and cannot be the only ones that take us to where we want to be tomorrow. At City Lots, we're a firm believer that God has an incredible plan for us, but we also have a big uh, part in that. God has a plan, and, and we have a part. And so I want to share some scripture with you for a little bit. Let's not jacked up if you can't tell. I've had coffee this morning, had a Coke at Hardy's for breakfast, so I need you to hang with me, okay? And plus, I'm just excited about God's word this morning. We're, we're going to be looking at some scripture in the New Testament. This is from a guy named Peter. Peter was one of the original 12 disciples that followed Jesus. And he's talking about holiness. He's talking about what it means to leave a God, excuse me, live a godly life. He's writing to uh, Christians that are scattered in an area back then called Asia Minor, and they're, they're facing a lot of persecution. And so he's, a lot of his book is about persecuted Christians and, and how we deal with that and how we overcome that. But I want you to think about, as, you, as we read this scripture, I'm just going to read a handful, and then we're going to really just look at one and kind of pick it apart. But Peter's a man that walked with Jesus for three years. Surely he knows something about living a holy life. And I, I told our volunteers that, uh, this this morning that I often feel like that I'm the disciple Peter. And let me explain why. Peter was just an ordinary man. He was a fisherman that Jesus came by and was like, hey, follow me. 
There was nothing extraordinary about him, but Jesus chose him. And Peter would go on and have this up and down walk with Jesus. If you've ever studied the scripture, if not, I can give you a highlight in like 15 seconds. Jesus, or excuse me, Peter's like in love with Jesus. He's obeying his teachings. One moment he's like, Jesus, I will fight for so I'll fight with a sword and attack anybody that comes after you, right? And then just a few moments later, perhaps hours, he denies Jesus to his face three times. Anybody feel like that? Like you're, you're, you're God's greatest champion the next minute? You're like, no, nah, I don't, I'm not really into that. I also think about Peter, like I feel like him, he's, he's the one that had the faith to step out of the boat, but his duration of faith didn't last very long and he sank. And so I feel like that's me. I'm, I'm bold enough to get out of the boat while everybody else is sitting by watching, but then I sink. I just, I feel like Peter all the time. That's me. I was like, one moment I'm a champion and the other moment I'm a coward. One moment I'm killing it and one moment I'm being crushed. So Peter knows what it's like to walk with Jesus. He knows what it means to live a holy life. He knows what it means to, to, to instruct and encourage those other Christians who are, who are trying to live a life of godly um, obedience. And you probably know this, many of you, but Peter would go on to be a martyr. His faith would cost him his life, and he was so radically in love with Jesus that he chose to be crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified the same way that Christ was. So this is a man who knows what he's talking about. Now I want to forewarn you, this text gets really deep for a moment, okay? And I'm going to try not to go over our heads. I'm going to try to keep it right here on the plate where we can all eat it. But there's one particular verse at the end that I want us to focus on. But I want you to know this. I could have just picked this one text out and used it. Cody and I were talking about this morning, and I knew this this week. I could have picked the one, the, the one scripture out to show you and to use this message but that would have been manipulating you and deceiving you. And so I want you to see the context. There are three things I feel like preaching this morning and teaching and getting fired up. If you're studying scripture, there are three things that you need to know, okay? The, and these are the most important things you can understand. Context is number one. Context is number two. Can anybody guess what number three is? You guys are really smart, so you're going to be just fine this morning. You have to understand, you can't just pick one verse and not know what's going on before or after. So to stay true to the text, I have to teach at least the first nine verses before the 10th verse. This is 1 Peter chapter 4. Here we go. Verse 1. Peter says, So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, it was painful for him on the cross, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had, Listen, and be ready to suffer too. Let me ask you something, Christ follower. How far does your walk with him take you? Again, many of us in Christ, we want to be comfortable. Like we want Jesus and we want to praise and worship and we want to hear songs like Spirit of the Living God. But man, we don't want to go through the trials, right? I feel like many of us today, it's like we want the victory, but man, we don't want to fight the battle. I'll take the victory all day long, but man, don't give me, God spare me from the battle. Peter, remember, he's writing to Christians scattered all over the place. We must be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, let me explain this, you have finished with sin. And not he's saying that they won't sin anymore, but what he means is you're no longer going to live in that life. If you've experienced some pain for Christ, some, some persecution, some trial, some slander, 
then you, it means you're no longer about living just in that, that life of sinfulness. It doesn't mean that you don't sin, but it means you're, 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 now you're heading on to the path of being godly. Listen to verse 2. Again, when that happens, when you confront sin and you choose to walk in the Spirit, you won't spend the rest of your days, the rest of your life, chasing your own desires. Be honest just for a moment. Who in here is really good at chasing what you want besides me? Four of us? Okay, good. Well, everybody else is excused this morning then. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but listen, you will be anxious to do the will of God. You know what's crazy about this? Is I think there are many, and I'm, I'm included in this as well, but there are many Christ followers, we're anxious to do whatever we want. And we're reluctant to do the will of God. But Peter says, hey, when you've confronted your sinful nature, and we all have one, when you've confronted those desires, you will no longer chase your own desires. You'll be anxious to do the will of God. Y'all can't tell this, but I'm squeezing this mic so hard right now. I bet I'm going to break it. I just realized like my hands are, I've got like a locked grip on it. Like I can't let it go if I wanted to. Verse three. Listen, he says, again, once you confront this sin, you're anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. What do godless people enjoy? Their, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and, and wild parties. We were talking about this in the volunteer service, and I know for many of you, you're like, hey, Pastor, I love Jesus, but I'm not ready to give up my wild parties just yet. Hold on here with me. It's just one step at a time. They're feasting and drunkenness and wild parties. Wild parties is relative, I suppose. And their terrible worship of idols. Back then, there was a, a lot of people that worshiped lowercase g gods. And so for you, what that might look like today is you worship your kids. You worship your social status. You worship your spouse, you worship your car, you worship your finances. And they're idols. And here's the thing, you justify it by like, God would want me to do that. God wants me to do that. I don't know. You'd have no other gods before the Lord your God. Verse 4. Peter says, of course, now, when you confront this sin and you begin to change, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do, so they slander you. And so there's this idea that sometimes when you begin to make changes and you begin to walk into the light and sit out of the darkness, there's going to be some hate that comes over. There's going to be some slander, like, oh, I guess you think you're better than everybody else now, right? You're Mrs. Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes or you're Mr. Stuckup or you're Mr. Christ now. There's some slander that comes with when you walk in the light, verse 5. But remember, but remember, sometimes, listen, we just need to stop and remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone. Now, this is where the text gets a little deep, and I want to be honest with you. I'm just going to throw a little bit out on the plate so that we can all eat and understand, okay? They will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead, verse 6. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever, let me hear, with God and the Spirit. And just to bring some clarity and maybe to allow the Spirit to put you in some tension. It says it was preached to those who are now dead. Well, he literally means those who are um, 
who have passed before the time of this text. But in the Old Testament, you know, there wasn't, Jesus Christ wasn't on earth, so you did not spend eternity with him. You went to a place called, and if this is tricky, just write it down and you go study it. A place called Abraham's bosom, okay? So when, when it says that he was preached, preaching to those who are now dead, it's not that Jesus was going to the grave to give people a second chance. He was going to bring confirmation of the salvation they had for living faithfully while they had the chance. Amen? Some of you are like, no, I don't get it. Okay. Well, just go back and listen to this and take notes. Verse 7. Here's old Peter. He's like the doom and gloom. Then the world's coming soon. You better get ready. Jesus is coming today. The end of the world is coming soon. Now, and, and, you know, they did not know, and they lived with this sense of urgency that, okay, we know that Christ died. They saw him die. They saw him resurrect, and he promised that he would come back one day. And so that's, the, that's how they lived their lives. He's coming back. And you know what's wild is I don't feel like that we should be living like we know he's coming back, but many of us live as if he's never come. The end of the world is coming soon. And this is the best way I know how to describe it. Today, we are closer to the end of the world than we were yesterday. And tomorrow, we will be closer than we are today. Even Jesus says, hey, don't worry about, don't worry about calculation, but worry about preparation. Don't try to calculate when I'm coming. Just be ready when I am. And so we take the steps today to be ready. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Verse 8. Most important of all, listen, he's given all this encouragement and this, this advice on how to live holy and godly. This is what he says. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. This fits right in theme with what Jesus said the most important commandments are to love God and love people. For love covers a multitude of sins. Listen, the, everything that you've done in your life that disagrees or contradicts God's plan for you, His love covers that sin. Matter of fact, His love covered that sin on the cross. Anytime that there's a conflict between you and someone, a spouse, a child, a loved one, genuine deep love and affection for that brother, that sister, that spouse, that child can cover their sin. That's what Peter's saying. Most importantly, listen, as you're preparing for this life, as, as the end is coming, most importantly, Chrissy, love people. Verse 9, look what he says. Cheerfully share your home. Now, let me be honest. Listen, the other day, my wife and I, we were sitting at the house. This was a Saturday, I believe, or Friday. We're sitting at the house. And I'll just be honest with you. Don't ever just stop by my house without letting me know you're coming, Okay. We're cool, and I love you, and I love people, but give me a heads up. You don't have it like that with me. Don't just stop by. Be like, hey, Pastor, I had you on my mind. We're sitting at home, and it's great. We're just chilling. We're watching TV. Our kids are playing. And we, we've got this new dog. A new, I, I need to add that into the story. Her name's Finley. She's a lab retriever. We rescued her like two days after Christmas. She just turned five months. We've had her a month. And listen, I, our dogs, we have a 13 and 14, I'm getting off track. We had a 13 and 14-year-old dog, two of them. And, you know, they're a lot different than puppies. You know, like they are not about like anything other than sleep eating and going outside every now and then to use the bathroom, you know what I mean? But this puppy is like a newborn baby, and she'll drive you, and she's big too, you know, like and she's goofy, and her legs are like, like a teenager. Her legs are really long, but her body's lean, just kind of that lanky look. But she, So she's outside anyway. We're just chilling. We're getting ready. We're hanging out. I see these, and we have a fenced-in yard, which this is my philosophy of neighbor etiquette. If your neighbors have a fenced-in yard, you don't just open the fence and walk in without at least hollering, hey, neighbor, okay? That's not how it works. You should not just walk in somebody's fenced-in yard. 
I feel like that's our boundary. And when you cross that, like you've impeded my safe zone and my ability to love and cover your multitude of sins, okay? <laughs> but these two people come walking in our gate, and I see my, my dog, you know, she's, she's a puppy. She's jumping all over him. Her nails are, and it hurts. You know, she's like, I think she's already about 40 pounds or something like that. Just, you know, she's clawing them, and he's pushing them down. And I'm thinking, that's what you get for coming in here, buddy. <laughs> and so then my, and his, my kids are nosy. They're coming outside, and they're like, you know, I'm Harper. And, and my little son, Jude, he's like, they're like, what's your name? He's like, Pooh Pooh, you know. <laughs> I look at him, I'm like, real mature, Jude. You know, so it's just great. It's chaotic. My dog's jumping. I cannot get a hold of her. I'm grabbing her by the lead or by her collar, and she's flailing like a trout out of the Clinch River, you know. Just chaotic, and, and I'm not even wanting to deal with it. Like, don't even be at my home right now. Just go on. Whatever you're selling, I don't want any. If it's this is about Jesus, I already know him, okay? <laughs> but Peter says, cheerfully, share your home. Cheerfully, because listen, sometimes it can be a burden. Sometimes there are people that need you. They need a place to stay. Or there's these, you can think of a time where it's just been a burden. And Peter says, hey, the true sign of a Christ follower is to cheerfully share your home, who those people that need a meal or a place to stay. And then here's what we're going to look at just for the next few minutes. Verse 10. Listen, he says all that, and it fits so perfect. This was the one verse I was going to use, and I felt convicted because I need you to see the context. He says all that, and now he says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Listen, he says, use them well to serve one another. Now, here's what you could do. Where it says that he's given each of you. I want you to think about this. He's talking to you. 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 In a big room like this, with a message like this, sometimes you feel like I'm talking to like the left side of the room or the right side of the room, or the person in front of you who has a little bit more put together. But remember, he's writing to all Christians. So God has given you a gift. And we're talking about talent today. God has given you a gift. And uh, on January 7th, who was here for our Vision Sunday? Raise your hand. A bunch of good Christians. On our Vision Sunday, there was a lot of things that we shared. We hung these up on the wall. Here we go. These were part of our vision for 2018. And one of those is that we want to continue developing partnerships globally and locally. We want to continue planting churches. Right now we're currently partnering with the Dominican Republic. We're working on another ministry in Honduras. But... We want to impact the nation from right here at 403 Market Street. But in order for us to do that, we have, been, we have gotten to where we are because of the talents and the sacrifices of many. But if we're going to continue to pack the nation, then we need God's people to step up and join us on mission. And that means you, because God's given you a gift. He's giving you a gift. Everybody in here has one. And to deny that would be to deny the goodness of the Lord, and really reject Scripture. He's given to every one of you in here in a gift, and really what this is about is, hey, 
if my heart is at this church, if you're, if you're here and you're a guest and you're just trying to figure this whole thing out, that's okay. I'm even challenging you, to be honest with you. Because really, this is a message for everybody. But when I give my heart to something, I'll give my talent as well. I'll give my time and I'll give my talent. At your work, now, you maybe your heart's not there, but maybe your paycheck comes from there. So you give your talent. But the principle is the same. There's something there that draws you to give your talent. Now, this is not a place where you come and work. This is a place you come and serve. And most importantly, you do it to, to love one another because we all are people that need to be loved. I don't care how strong you are as a man or how independent you are as a woman. We all need to be loved. And each one of you has been given a gift. Each one of you. And if we're going to continue to impact the nations, and that's what I need you to understand, okay? I need you to grasp that, that we're not content with just gathering in this room. We genuinely desire to impact the world. And I believe our God, enough, our God is big enough to allow us to do that. We want to impact the nations. But I assure you, it's both and. But if we can't love his bride... And we'll never go out and reach the nations. That's the first part of verse 10. He says that God has given each of you, and then the next thing that Peter says in there is, from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Now, that great variety, what I love about that is that means that not all things are the same. Not all gifts are equal, if you will. Not all look the same. And so I think about, this was a, a picture that we, I, I love this picture. And we just took it um, because it was a, a packed out day. And you can't see, we had to edit it, but we had to put out more chairs here. And there's a great variety of gifts in this place. Because there's a lot of people that come through these doors. That means you've got a great variety. And so, you know, you may not be able to sing or play guitar, but you have the ability to teach and love kids. And I want, to, I want to clarify something with you because I think messages like this can tend to be this. We really need you. We're not going to survive if we don't have you. And I just want to be really honest with you. This isn't about need. This is about vision, believing that we're going to change the world and it starts right here, that we want to change homes, that we want to change marriages, that we want to impact Clinton Elementary School, Norris, every, you know, Oak Ridge, every, we've got, you know, staff that's, that work in Oak Ridge. We want to impact our county, our homes, but we believe that this is the greatest place to start. And let me clarify, we have a lot of educated, really talented people here we, that have great jobs. We have labor and delivery nurses. We have school teachers. We have um, we have policemen, we have counselors. I mean, we have everything that you can think of in this church. We have stay-at-home moms. I mean, every, every, I mean, just incredible professional people at this church that have really important jobs. But I assure you, there is nothing of more eternal significance than serving through the local church. We have the ability to literally change people's destinies, Tammy. Their destinies. And we believe that's how big of a deal it is. We don't want to gather just as a country club and tell some jokes and laugh and hear some good music and a message and roll on. No, we want to be on mission to change people's lives for eternity. And that's what we're about here. Just in case you're wondering, like, what do we care about? There are a lot of things, but that's number we want, we want to change people. Our, our, our first core value is Jesus, that he is, 
He is all things. He is everything. We believe that. And we believe that the world desperately needs a Savior. And we know that there's a great variety because many of you in here, you've been given a gift. And there's a variety of it. And then lastly, he says this in that last part of that verse. So from his great variety of spiritual gifts, what's next? Go ahead, pull that up. We have all kinds of ways for you to serve here. I want to just point this out. This isn't like a need. And what I'm telling you is if there's a great variety, then you should be aware that there's incredible places, opportunities for you to serve here. I'm really excited and I feel good. I feel confident about the opportunities that we have to serve here at City Lots because I think a, a, a good excuse for some people, not, it's not suggesting that you would do this, is ah, I just don't know where I'd fit in. It's not, really, it's not really my thing. Well, we have all kinds of areas for you to serve. All kinds, because we're growing. And if there's a great variety, then we must have a variety of teams to serve on. And I want to just tell you this. We're fixing to land this thing right here. But I want to tell you, as you look at these, and this is my thought because I've served in churches before I became a pastor and started one. I think there's this idea in our culture about, hey, if I volunteer, I'm going to be stuck there forever, forever. You know what I'm talking about? And I genuinely mean this. We feel like it's a privilege to get to serve here. And if anyone ever felt like they had to, then they're missing our our core value effort that we get to, right? We get to serve. And so let me tell you about our process just really quickly. I'm going to show you a couple more pictures. We do this thing here called the gauge, okay? And the gauge, this is how we sign people up if you're interested in volunteering. Basically, let's say you're like, hey, I want to serve. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to love on kids. I want to teach. I want to do this. Minus the worship team and the creative team. Those processes are a little bit different. But if you want to volunteer, you sign up, you mark your connection card, we contact you. Here's how it works. Literally, for two weeks, you volunteer in a position. You just commit to two Sundays, back-to-back, not one now and then in the spring, and then back-to-back. And after that two weeks, your ministry leader will call you and determine if it's a good fit. And if you're like, hey, I don't like it, it it's not what I thought it was, then you don't have to volunteer. It's that simple. It's not like... You mark your card, and then we send you this contract where you give us your social, and you sign. You know, it's like a blood covenant, you know. It's not how it works here, because here's what it is. This isn't about need. This is about opportunity. This is about the great gift that you've been given and finding your sweet spot. And the reality is this. You may think you love kids, but we may determine that you're really not a good fit for that. Of course, the easiest is you may think you can sing, but we may determine that's a lie. <laughs> kind of like more coverage. So what I'm saying is there's a place for everybody. Everybody in here has a gift, and we've created this process to where literally you're not signing your life away. You're saying, okay, God, I'll give you two weeks of my time. I'll give my best effort. And if it works out, then you're on the rotation. But even at that, it's, it's a get-to mentality. And I mean, we work hard on that. And so lastly, Paul says, or excuse me, Peter says this about the gifts. He says, use them well to serve one another. Use them well. We feel like that lines up with our, our core value effort, which I've just mentioned. And let me tell you why this is big. I'm going to show you these three pictures, and then we're going we're gonna to wind this down. Use them well. I'm not sure why this happens, but sometimes in churches, there's this excuse of like, well, 
you know, let's just kind of do what we can because this is church and we just, you know, we need to be really compassionate and we need to, you know, just love people. But Peter says to use them well, and this is what I believe. If we're changing, if we have the ability to change people's destiny, then it better be our best. And it better be done with excellence. We're not going to use our mediocrity as an excuse for God's sovereignty. Okay? Not at City Lights, we're not. He's a big God, and He deserves our best. It may not be the best, but we can give our best. And we're going to use them well. And when we use them well, we're able to multiply. Again, these are, these are things that we showed on January 7th. We talked about this earlier. I think Cody talked about this. Ships Church, this is a church that we helped to plant. His pastor came and did an internship here for two years. They just recently launched on January 7th. Next month, I'm going to preach there. I'm so excited about it. Because we use our gifts well, because we loved Derek and Brittany and Zane and Lyric, we were able to play a small part in letting them go. And I think that's kingdom-minded too, because listen, someone like Derek who comes in who's talented, who has a master's degree, his wife has the most bubbly personality of almost anybody we know, it'd be really easy for us to be like, no, we're going to hold them, we're going to hoard them. But this is what I believe. If you're going to give God your best, that means you have to also let go of your best as well. You have to be confident enough to say, okay, God, we'll send out our best and not try to hold them. Also this, to use them well, to use our gifts well, if we're going to see more people experience the spirit of the living God in worship, we need to use them well. If we're going to see people fall to their knees and encounter the resurrected king, then we need to let him resurrect us and use our gifts to serve him. This is probably one of the most, if you weren't here this Sunday, that Sunday, particularly in this picture, it's hard for me to explain it, but this may have been the most intimate time of worship we've had as a church in terms of spontaneity. People came in, and let me tell you why this matters. I, know I could talk about this for about 35 minutes, but I'm going to try to make it about 30 seconds. Who believes me? Everything we do here matters because there's a great variety of gifts. And what I mean is from the parking lot to those A-frame signs being set up, to the lights being on, to the TV, to the coffee, to the hot cocoa, to a clean lobby, to a vacuumed hallway, to greeters with name tags, to somebody at the kids check-in, to the temperature right in here, to the lyrics being changed right, to the band being in tune, to the city kids teacher knowing their lessons. Everything matters because we want to serve our guest well. And I, we were talking, and I, we do a prayer thing at 10.05 in the morning, five men of God for five minutes. Five represents the biblical numerology for grace. Part of our vision is we want to plant five churches in five years anyway. And we were talking about how every single thing matters. And it's not that like if you come in here and you see a trail of breadcrumbs in the hallway that you're going to be like, no, you know what? Because that bread's there, I don't love Jesus, and I'm not coming back. But what could happen is, on a serious note, you could come in and see this place that we say really matters and everything deserves our best, and you see a, a nasty facility, not a perfect facility, but a nasty and think, hey, he's preaching one thing with his mouth, but I'm just seeing some things that don't really matter here. People are coming in unprepared, and, and, and that's the thing is we're not going to be... We're not going to be mediocre here. We want to give our best. Everything matters Everything matters about what we do. If we're going to experience these moments, then we need you to join us on mission. 
and use your talent. And then lastly, part of our vision is, as I mentioned, in the next five years, we want to plant or be a part of helping five churches. We're at one so far, so we're on track. But this number two represents, we truly believe this year, and again, I mentioned this on January 7th, so I know some of you are hearing it for the second time, but for those of you hearing it for the first time, we believe that this year we are actively praying, planning, strategizing about where our second City Lights Church campus will be. And our dream is by this fall that a core group of people are meeting together to make that happen. But I assure you, that right there will never happen. That will never happen. None of this will ever happen. It will always stay the same if you sit in your seat and you remain complacent and you don't use the gift that God has given you. It will never happen. We'll just be a church angel that just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and talks about it, but never does anything. May we be a group of people that responds to the gospel. wants to be a part of something growing. So here's the bottom line, if you will, or a sermon in a sentence. We serve God when we serve people. When we serve our, our brothers, our sisters, when we greet people, when we love on babies, you're serving the Father and He honors it. Throughout the New Testament, there's a continual theme of to love God and love people, and they're indicative of each other. And when I love people, I show that I love the Father. If we're going to experience this multiplication, if we're going to experience something of biblical proportion, then we need God's people who have been given a gift according to Scripture. And I trust Scripture more than I trust you. You have a gift. And God wants you to step up and use that. And here's what happens. When you begin to invest that talent into the local body, you'll give your heart here as well. And then you'll begin to care about things that happen here. You'll begin to care about people. Even, let me tell you this, when you begin to give your heart and your talent, you'll even care more about the songs that we're singing because your heart will be cultivated by what the Spirit's doing in them. You have a gift. You have a talent. I'm asking you today, will you join us on mission? Will you, will you sign up to talk with someone today so that 2018 can be our best year ever? And let me just clarify real quickly. I'm talking to you, 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 Lottie Dottie, everybody. God's given you a gift, and here's what I want you to do. Will you join us today to be a part of something bigger than the life you live? If you don't know what that looks like, you're not even sure, let us talk with you. Let's figure this out. Let the Spirit of the living God come into this place to raise you up, to raise up a group of people, to change the world. If we're going to change the world, we have to change our hearts, and it starts right here. Will you stand and sing with us this morning? Thank you so much for listening. For more information on how you can give your time, talent, and treasure, visit us on the web at citylightsac.org.